Studies show that nearly 80%, eight out of 10 people are living paycheck to paycheck. Okay. Um, so for me, I can't talk to the 20% hoping that the other 80% will sit here and learn and, and make wise decisions. No, if the majority of people in the world cannot leverage debt, they cannot use debt at all. Why am I going to educate that? So for me, um, I, I just don't believe in credit cards. You know, I had about $15,000 in it and I said, you know, this ain't for me. I can pay cash, I can use my cash, and everything that I have, I own. I think the problem is when people, when I hear people say leverage debt, here's the problem. They're just not patient, you know? They wanna use someone else's money to get what they can't afford right now, hoping that they can pay it off in the next 60 days or a year, if you say so. But studies are showing people are getting into debt and they're keeping these balances for close to seven to 10 years. So you're in bondage for all this time because you're trying to leverage. When for me, my whole philosophy is I'll take two years, save up for it. Prime example, um, I really want to buy my dream car. I just purchased my uh, my dream car about a few months ago. It was a Porsche, Porsche Panamera. And um, yeah, I could have went out there and financed it with my income and just paid the monthly fee. But I was like, no, I'm going to wait. So I'll wait about a year and a half, saved up for it, walked onto the car lot, and I negotiated them down six grand, saved me six grand. And so I paid cash, but I waited. I was willing to be patient. And I think the problem is when I hear people say, I'm going to finance it, here's the thing that I've learned from millionaires. The average person says, how much is this going to cost me monthly? Millionaires and billionaires are saying, hey, how much is this going to cost me, period? Welcome to The Uncensored Show with your host, George Atchampal, where we share the mindset, tips, tools, strategies, and stories on how to use your money to do more of what you love and what you were called to do. Money is like gas on a road trip. Sure, you need it to get where you're going, but you're not going on a tour of gas stations. Money fuels your journey. The question is, what's yours? Live life uncensored. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Uncensored Podcast. And on today's episode, uh, we got a special guest, somebody you probably have heard of, especially if you're tapped into the personal finance space. If you dislike debt, and if you're all about generational wealth, you've probably heard of this guy. Uh, we have Mr. Anthony O'Neill on the show today. How are you doing, man? Oh, man, George, thank you so much for having me on the show. And uh, such a huge honor to, to rock with you. Anytime I can get on with young millennials, young brothers and sisters of, uh, of our color, I I'm excited, man. For sure, for sure. Well, we're, we're really excited to have you here with us, Anthony. So let's go ahead and jump in. Okay. This first question, can you tell us who is Anthony O'Neill? Absolutely. Me. <laughs> uh, man, my name is Anthony O'Neill. I am Anthony O'Neill, and I am just a young guy who's passionate about helping uh, all young people, not just young people. I say like the 20s, 30s, and like the young 40s. Um, and I have a huge heart for the minority culture uh, because... You know, growing up, I grew up with four loving parents and I had two conversations with the major in my life. The first one was the law, you know, how not to go to hell, they would say, um, how to get into heaven. And then the second most important conversation I had growing up was the law 
from the practical perspective on how to make it home safe and sound. No one talked to me about, you know, how to build wealth. Uh, no one explained to me what is a credit score. Uh, no one talked to me how to start a business. No one really sat down and said, hey, here's how you be successful with your money. And so when I really sit down and I look at who is Anthony O'Neill, I'm a young kid that was in debt, $35,000, $40,000 in debt, homeless when he was 19 years old, made some dumb decisions because I didn't have the practical information uh, at that time, to now at 36 years old, I paid off all my debt. I'm 100% debt-free, and I travel around the world helping young people learn how to avoid debt or eliminate their debt and build true wealth and go after true success. So when I think of me, that's what I think about. I just keep it real relatable and, um, and just focus with young people. Yeah, awesome, man. Well, thank you for sharing that. I think the first piece of content I stumbled across when um, when I found out who you were, it was about, I think you were, you were like it was a dating scenario, right? Where a young lady who, uh, I guess, I don't remember the exact scenario, but it was hilarious and I think it went viral. Um, and you kind of just were sharing your perspective on that. And so uh, to kind of just piggyback off of that original content piece that I saw, um, what is some challenges that you think when you have two different people that are on different pages when it comes to their money philosophies? <laughs> uh, you, you know, especially within our generation, man, I just think it just comes down to education and, and maturity. Um, you know, Jacqueline can speak from the, the ladies uh, and uh, the women's perspective, uh, but I think specifically in regards to that video, it was just dating going wrong on a budget. I think our culture associates the word dating or as far as in the word budgeting with the negative. If I say, hey, I'm on a budget, that means I only can spend $10, $20. When in all actuality, just to be real, my budgeting, my budgeting may mean I can spend $1,000. I don't know, but budgeting gives me freedom to enjoy my money. I'm telling my money what to do. And so I think when it comes to this younger culture, they're just not educated on a nice, solid way on it truly what how to be successful with your finances we look at the world and we see okay if a brother want to impress a lady make sure you look good make sure you have on nice clothes make sure you drive a nice car make sure you can take her out to a real nice restaurant if you really want to do it big you know just do the these other things when all in all actuality we should be teaching our young men if you really want to impress her show her the husband you can be in the future show her you can be a good steward of your finances now and you're not here to impress her you're here to hopefully win her heart and one day marry her and provide for her in all aspects not just in the money aspect so that's one of the key things that i'm really learning within this generation is we got to really teach them go back to the basics hey you can have the nice things you can have the nice car uh, but let's cover the foundation first you know you have an 800 credit score but do you have an 800 in your bank account you know i'd rather have 800 in my bank account than have an 800 credit score just to be real um you know you, you're driving a nice car but you're living paycheck to paycheck i'd rather drive maybe an older car and not live paycheck to paycheck and so for me i just think we got to break down what is or what are the actual things that make you successful when it comes to finances and stick to those foundations I'm sure that you know your numbers, Anthony, but it's so interesting that George and I came across that same piece of content about that dating on a budget when we were just, you know, looking at all of the things that you put out. So to take a moment to speak to the ladies, there is one thing that you left out, Anthony, you said, make sure that, you know, he drives a nice car, looks nice, make sure that you smell nice too. <laughs> hey, I want you to smell good. But on top of that, to continue speaking to the ladies, Make sure that your expectations are realistic when you're dating. A lot of times we have these expectations where, you know, Anthony was speaking to what he could afford as far as going out to a restaurant. He said, hey, I want to stick to my budget. And he let her know ahead of time, this is my budget. This is how it works. Are you comfortable with that? 
And, you know, this young lady wasn't okay with that, but it's important for young ladies to be comfortable and have realistic expectations when it comes to dating. I mean, and, and I agree with you now. Thank you so much. You know, you a queen for real. I salute you on that one for saying that because have realistic expectations. And then two, let's say for an example, the man doesn't meet your expectations. Well, have a conversation about it because you do not know exactly why he may be saying yes or no. In my case, I just bought um, almost a half a million dollar home. And so me, I don't do debt. And so I need to furnish my big old house and I had to pay cash for it. And I dropped a lot of money on that. So it wasn't that I was broke or I couldn't afford it. No, I had priorities. And so for me, if I have a daughter, I want to teach her, look for the man's priorities. See if he's willing to say no to you because it's something that's more important. A man that is willing to put you before his rent, before his livelihood, that's not the man you want to be with. So I totally 100% sign on with you. Uh, check your expectations. And then two, if something throws up a yellow flag, not a red flag, a yellow flag, hey, ask for clarity. That young lady, she ghosted your boy. You know, she, she never responded back to me. And so for me, I was like, what? I mean, I, I ain't broke, but I'm just trying to show you, hey, I'm a man and I'm going to stick to my plan. And when I get married, I'm going to be a man and stick to our plan and provide for our family. What's going on, guys? George Atchampong here, founder of Pocket Advisor, the number one financial social network where we do money together. If you've been looking for a community of like-minded, aspiring first-generation millionaires who are marching towards financial freedom, then look no further. Pocket Advisor is here. Pocket Advisor is a financial social network where it's led by a variety of experts, right? We're talking about tax experts, certified financial planners, personal finance, you name it, we got it. And we are your money mentors, right? So if you've ever had a financial goal, um, milestones that you wanted to achieve. Pocket Advisor is the community that's going to help you achieve that. We have monthly challenges, right, to make this process more fun. You're going to get ongoing accountability. There's going to be classes, workshops. I mean, everything you can think of to make sure that you can achieve your financial goals, right? And the best part about it is there's a feature called Ask Penny, right? Got to love it. And that is your financial advisor in your pocket. So if you ever have a question, right, there's something ever that's on your mind. You're like, you know what? I really want a sounding board from someone who knows what they're talking about. I don't want to have to go to Google and decipher between the, um, you know, millions of search results. I want to know that someone can give me some sound insight on a specific financial decision. And that's what you get a chance to do via pocket advisor. So if you want to learn more, click the link in the show notes and sign up today. Right. Like there's just a it's a great community of people. You're going to have exactly what you need to achieve your goals. And we can't wait to have you. Love that. Love that. So, you know, I know, again, as you just mentioned, you don't do debt. Big advocate of that. I get the 100 percent. So my question is, so to someone who says that they can leverage credit right or good debt mm -hmm. to be able to accelerate their wealth uh, what is your response to that because i know that you know by and large you know for most people they 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 can't outsmart the system right so it's better to just stay away but for, if someone feels like they're 
financially literate and they feel like, you know what, I can leverage these credit card rewards points to travel for free. Yeah. What is your what is your thought process around good debt versus bad debt? Well, here's the very first thing. I don't believe in the term good debt or bad debt. I believe debt is debt. I mean, bottom line. So, um, you know, everyone says, well, student loans, that's good debt. No, it's not. If you borrow money, you know, uh, you are in debt. Okay. Uh, do I believe that it is okay to have a mortgage like myself? Yes, I do believe that it is okay. But I'm not saying it's bad debt, nor am I saying it's good debt. I'm saying it's debt. You know, um, now when it comes to leveraging debt, our, let's look at the let's look at the facts. Okay, so I'm not Dave. I'm not going to say y'all just stupid. Da 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 da. No, let's just lay out the facts. All right, studies show that nearly 80 percent, eight out of ten people, are living paycheck to paycheck. Okay, um, so for me, I can't talk to the 20 percent, hoping that the other 80 percent will sit here and learn and, and make wise decisions. No, if the majority of people in the world cannot leverage debt, they cannot use debt at all. Why am I going to educate that? So for me, um, I, I just don't believe in credit cards. You know, I had about fifteen thousand dollars in it. And I said, you know, this ain't for me. I can pay cash, I can use my cash, and everything that I have, I own. I think the problem is when people, when I hear people say leverage debt, here's the problem. They're just not patient, you know? They wanna use someone else's money to get what they can't afford right now, hoping that they can pay it off in the next 60 days or a year, if you say so. But studies are showing people are getting into debt and they're keeping these balances for close to seven to 10 years. So you're in bondage for all this time because you're trying to leverage. When for me, my whole philosophy is I'll take two years, save up for it. Prime example, um, I really want to buy my dream car. I just purchased my uh, my dream car about a few months ago. It was a Porsche, Porsche Panamera. And um, yeah, I could have went out there and financed it with my income and just paid the monthly fee. But I was like, no, I'm going to wait. So I waited about a year and a half, saved up for it, walked onto the car lot, and I negotiated them down six grand, saved me six grand. And so I paid cash, but I waited. I was willing to be patient. And I think the problem is when I hear people say, I'm going to finance it. Here's the thing that I've learned from millionaires. The average person says, how much is this going to cost me monthly? Millionaires and billionaires are saying, hey, how much is this going to cost me, period? And I want to know what's going to be my bill today, and I'm going to pay cash for it. I think leveraging is an unwise move. I think paying, paying for it cash is wise, but I'll be real with you. Will it require patience? Will it require some time? Absolutely. Understood. No, I respect that answer. Yeah. I really like what you said about being patient. I think that it's important to be patient, but also know yourself. Yeah. Because it's important to know if you're going to be that person who takes out that credit card and does just have that bondage for seven to 10 years. Yeah. So it's really important to know yourself. Yeah. So talking about paying off debt, um, what is your philosophy on people paying off debt and investing at the same time? You know, I'm not a fan of uh, paying off your debt and investing at the same time because studies are showing when you're paying off debt, you're going to only invest about 1% to 2%, max 3%. My philosophy is I want you to invest 15% of your gross household income. So if you're making $100,000 um, in a family, for an example, that's $15,000 a year that I want you to invest. But if you're paying off debt, uh, you can't invest $15,000 a year. You may be investing only $500. And so my philosophy is if you can focus on getting out of debt because debt, I 
I believe is the reason why people cannot reach their true financial goals. If you can eliminate your debt, set aside three to six months for an expenses, so that way when an emergency happens, that emergency now just becomes an inconvenience because you were prepared for it. And in all actuality, 2020 taught us that life can happen out of nowhere. And so if you have an emergency fund, at least, that's, at least it will soften the blow, okay? And so if you're out of debt, think about it. You can invest 15% of your income. If you're investing 15%, $15,000 um, into a Roth IRA, 403B or 401K with a match into a Roth that's grown with compound interest on average of 8 to 12%, depending on you know the season that you're in, man, that's, that's about $2 million over the next 40 years. But let's, let's look at that. That's simple math. We're not talking about if you're buying property. We're not talking about if you own a business. We're saying like, hey, if you just do the basic, if you have no debt and you just invest the basic stuff, you are a millionaire. And then let's talk about if you pay off your house and then your net worth really goes up. So for me, it's all about baby steps. Focus on just getting out of debt. Eliminate the debt. Eliminate the debt. Why make $3,000 a month and 2,500 of it is going towards bills and debt? No, eliminate that debt and get your $3,000 maybe and only 1,000 that's going towards your mortgage and you can save, invest, and enjoy the other 2,000, okay? So that's my philosophy when it comes to that. Got it, got it. Well, y'all asking some good questions on here, man. We, we can keep talking, y'all. I like this. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Um, so you did mention briefly kind of your, your backstory and you know, kind of what sparked your passion to be able to get your finances together and now be a thought leader in the space. But I'm curious um, if anything sticks out as like some of the biggest lessons that you learned along your journey. Yeah, man. And I, I remember it was about maybe six years ago, I walked into the gym and uh, this changed my life. There's this lady uh, and she was on the elliptical machine and she was going hard, George, Jackie, like she was going hard. Like when I say hard, she was on the elliptical machine and I thought she was going to break a hip. That's how hard she was going. Bro, she was working. You, you hear me? I mean, and... Everyone in the gym was laughing at her. Everyone was looking at her. Everyone was cracking jokes on her. But bro, she had her earphones on and she was going like her life depended on it. And I, I'm a communicator. I'm a talker. So when she got off the elliptical machine, she went and got some water. I want, I walked up to her. I said, ma'am, are you okay? Like, why are you, why are you going so hard on the elliptical machine? She took her earphones down and she said, son, I just left the doctor's office and the doctor told me that um, if I don't lose weight, um, I can pass. And if I pass, I'm gonna miss the opportunity to hold my grandchildren. Mm -hmm. And she said, that's the biggest why I've ever needed. Not for me, but because I wanna see my grandkids. When I went home that day, you know, I'm a spiritual guy and I just went to doing some meditating and, and just reading my word. And, and I really felt this. If your why doesn't make you cry, then the price of commitment will make you cry. And I was like, yo, one of the biggest things that I've learned wrong along this journey is that my why has to be so deep down inside of me. If I want to be successful in my career, if you want to be successful with your money, if you want to be the best husband, the best wife, the best father, the best mother, no matter what it is, if your why doesn't make you cry, then the price of commitment along this journey will make you cry. And so for me, I've learned that why power is stronger than will, uh, willpower when it comes to long term. I came into this world crying, but I'm going to leave this world smiling. I'm going to leave this world smiling because the average black person leaves their kids with bills and benefits. That's what they leave their kids with and their families, their spouses, 
with stress and worries and bills and, and benefits. When I, I'm like, yo, no, I want to leave my kids and my family with wealth, with joy, with peace, with, with businesses, with land, with homes. And so that's my why. When I think about that why for myself, that's why I can't go back into debt. I watched my mom and dad um, have to live paycheck to paycheck. I remember eating hamburger helpers every single day, going to Kroger's and growing to Publix and getting 99 cent hamburger helpers. And I'm like, I, I remember those days. I remember not going on family vacations. We don't have family pictures from when I was, you know, 10 years old, 15 years old, because we just couldn't afford to go to Sears or go to a photo shop and get family pictures. That's my why. You know, my, par my parents have never been out of the country. I've never been to Disney World. I remember putting tape on the bottom of my shoes so that way I didn't get um, water inside of my shoes when it was raining because we couldn't afford to get new shoes. I remember those days. And so my why is so deep down inside of me that I don't want to be that kind of father. I have amazing parents who did the best that they could do to raise me and my siblings, two other siblings. And so for me, man, I, I want to leave. I want to build something that my great-great-grandchildren, who I will probably never get to meet, will know my last name. Today, I'm working for my last name, not my first name. So when I pass, my wife is crying, but she has tears of joy because she knows where I transitioned to. But when I leave her, she doesn't have to stress. She doesn't have to worry about anything. But I will tell you all this, George and Jackie, uh, when I die, it does not matter if, and when I'm married and I leave my wife, right? She gonna have a lot of money, but uh, I'm gonna put inside my will. If she get married, she gotta give it all to the kids. <laughs> Another man ain't gonna eat off of me, dogs. <laughs> hey, hey, I, I ain't mad at you, man. I mad at you. So a, a piggyback question that came off of that, and Jack, maybe you can go to the next question after that. So it's more of a statement. So it sounds like you've been able to tap in on desire over discipline, basically, mm. right? Because yeah. um, I think that was something key that you really said because. A lot of times people are so focused on willpower and grit. Yeah. And powering through, right? Going up uphill yeah. versus if you can tap into that intrinsic why, like that pull, yeah. you, right? Right. Um, I think that's I think that's the that's the difference maker. So my question to that is how do you keep it at the forefront, right? Because motivation is a lot like bathing. It doesn't last, right? It's like you know, one day you're you're ready to go, you feel it and you feel really good. How do you keep that why at the forefront, even though it's deep down? Like, how do you keep that at the forefront so that when the day gets busy or you get pulled on and you have all these demands, that that still is at the forefront of, uh, of your of your day-to-day -day life? It's such a great question. You know, when, with my why is so deep down that when I do feel like giving up, my why starts to give me energy. But then also, too, uh, my accountability partners, man. I have people around me that hold me accountable. Um, I share my budget um, with my two accountability partners. Uh, they know exactly what I'm working for, what I'm saving up for. Um, at the beginning of this year, we all sat down and said, hey, here's our 2021 uh, formations. I don't believe in the word goals. I don't believe in the word, you know, um, what do they call those New Year resolutions? No. Um, and I'm not trying to get preachy on y'all's show, uh, but, you know, I was formed in my mother's room. God took his time to form me. And so every single day I should be for forming myself into a better man and into the man that God created me to be. And so we shared our 2021 formations with, 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 with everyone. And we said, hey, by the end of this year, we, this is where we would like to be. 
So every single day, every single month, we're working towards a better man. I'm working towards being a better communicator. I'm working towards helping more people when it comes to their finances. I'm, I'm, I'm working on to, uh, working towards becoming a better man for my future wife, for my future kids. You know, and so for me, uh, your why is is the foundation. Then you got to have something that stands on top of that foundation, which I believe are your peers. You know, I would rather have four quarters than a hundred pennies. I, I would rather have solid people around me that get my vision, that will hold me accountable, that will call me out on my stuff, that will say, Anthony, that was wrong. You need to check yourself. Or, hey, Anthony, you slacking. You need to pick up in this area. Then having a hundred friends and like, yo, it's all good, bro. I mean, it's okay. You had a right to slack off, man. It's emotional. It's been a hard year. Just go, just, just chill. Go, don't worry about it. No, I want people that's going to always push me, push me, push me, challenge me, correct me with love. And so that's something that I would definitely, definitely say is that if you have female friends or male friends mm -hmm. to where all they do is gossip with you, call you on the latest and the greatest news and gossip or call and look at what she had on her Instagram. Girl, did you hear? Nah, man, don't call my phone with what she hears because that, that doesn't make me any money. That it doesn't help me grow as a man. And how's it helping you grow? As a matter of fact, since that's what you want to do, I ain't mad at you in your life. But for me in my house, man, I'm trying to grow. And I need friends around me who's going to help me get closer to their goals. And I'm going to help them get closer to their goals. And um, I'm, I'm tired of, you know, uh, of us as a people putting down other people. We need to be celebrating other people. We should be helping other people, especially within our culture, uh, because we, we see last year was a hard year. So we should be elevating, not gossiping. So accountability partners are strong. Love that, love that. Thank you. That's, that's a really good way to put that. Um, I'll piggyback off of that. The way that I put it is people should define their why, like you said, and then once they figure out what their why is, then figure out what your purpose is. Mm. If you're able to just create a quick statement about what your purpose is, you know, Jacqueline Shattuck, my purpose is to X, Y, Z. Yeah. Then you keep that in the forefront. It's like everything I do is in service to my purpose. Yeah. And so that's how I, I like to help people break it down. So, so thank you for putting that out there. Yeah. Let's pivot really quickly to your book. Can you tell us about the title of your book and why you wrote it? Which one? I have like three out there. Which one? Which one you want me to talk about? That one right behind you. This is a podcast, but. Oh, okay. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> we, we appreciate the subtle flex. He's like, you know, I got, I'm got. i an author, author. You know what I'm saying? I got books out in the marketplace. I, we appreciate yeah, that. man, I, I appreciate it, man. The title of this book behind me is a Debt-Free Degree. Um, how, do, how do we get our young people into school 100% without uh, racking up any student loan debt? And so this book came out about a year and a half ago. It was a, a number one national bestselling. Um, and we sold, we've sold, I mean, thousands and thousands. And I can't even keep the number up because we're, we're up there. Um, but this book is really about how do we get our kids starting in the seventh grade all the way up through uh, 12th grade, how do we get them into college without racking up debt? Mm -hmm. Studies are showing that the average kids will graduate with about $38,000 in student loan debt. But a fifth of these young people will graduate with a mortgage payment and don't even have real estate. Okay. And so... I was sick and tired of seeing that. And as I dove deeper into that conversation, 
Um, I, I noticed that the minority community, Blacks, Hispanics, uh, Puerto Ricans, you name it, we suffered the most when it comes to student loan debt. And so I wanted to write a book to help parents who have young people coming up. Okay, like, hey, if they don't have the best grades academic-wise, hey, here are some other options. As far as in seventh grade, hey, start here. Here are the classes. Here are what they should be doing. Here's how they should be building their resume. Hey, on the summers, they should be doing this time. Eighth grade year, they should be doing this, transitioning to the ninth grade. Hey, here are the classes they need to be taking. Call the schools, call the colleges that you want to go into. Make sure they're in the right classes. Make sure they're taking uh, and being a part of the right programs. Hey, here are the electives they need to be taking. And so I really, uh, I met with several college professors, college counselors, uh, successful students who did this, um, interviewed so many different people, and I just wrote the game plan. There are so many books out there on how to apply for a scholarship, but there are not books out there that teach you, hey, here's the step-by-step -step process on how to get in college 100% debt-free. And so that's the title of that book. And then when I was out on book tour, uh, parents were asking me, like, okay, this is great for my kid, but what about me? Like, you know, I got $100,000, $200,000, $80,000 in student loans. Like, what can I do to get out of this student loan debt while I'm helping my child get into school without student loan debt? So I came up with a mini book uh, called Destroy Your Student Loan Debt, and it's a step-by-step -step process on how to pay off your student loan debt quickly. And so that's, that's only 80 pages. It's not a big in-depth book like the book behind me, uh, Debt-Free Degree. Uh, but both of those books, I say, are, are crucial um, and are important uh, for these days and times. Awesome, awesome. Thanks so much for sharing that. And, um, you know, happy, again, the, the population of people who don't know you is probably shrinking every day. But for those who don't know, Mr. O'Neill, uh, what's the best place to find you, best place to tap in with you and get connected? And the best place to find me and, for, and get some solid resources, honestly, is go to anthonyoneal.com. You'll see some resources on there that will help you with your financial journey, success journey, um, and mental health journey. Um, as far as in connecting with me and, and, and more in engaging, I would definitely say right now, uh, YouTube and podcast. Um, you can go to uh, The Table with Anthony O'Neill. Uh, we release every Monday there. And starting next month, we're going to be releasing Mondays and Thursdays. So I'm excited about that. Uh, but then social media, man, I'm, I'm really excited that uh, Instagram and Clubhouse. Clubhouse is the new wave right now. And so you can find me on Clubhouse and Instagram at Anthony O'Neill. And uh, Clubhouse, I'm on there every Tuesdays and Thursdays at 7 p.m. Uh, just dropping some more content and just diving in deeper into some more relevant real stuff. We, we talk about relationships and dating um, and single life on there when it comes to the context of our money and to our, our mental health. So uh, that's where I'm at. Amazing. Amazing. Um, Jacqueline, do you have any other final questions before I ask our final question that we always ask? I'll let you take the final question. <laughs> okay. Um, so the name of our podcast is the uncensored show, right? And so question I always like to ask our guests uh, before they leave is, what does living life uncensored mean to you? Living life uncensored means living life to the true, authentic Anthony O'Neill and accepting the fact that not everyone's going to like the true, authentic Anthony O'Neill. Um, Seth Godin said something earlier this week. He said, hey, when you pick a group of people to help, you're eliminating another group of people but they have someone that can help them focus on you focus on the authentic uncensored you and so when i hear the name of this podcast and hear that word when it comes to me i'm uncensored uh with millennials I, i'm uncensored uh with people 
um, of color. I'm uncensored because if I am censored, I can't serve them and I can't help them. And so my name is Anthony O'Neill and I'm uncensored. (laughs) I love that. Hey man, well, we appreciate your time. Appreciate you coming on the show, sharing some uh, wonderful nuggets and gems that I know my listeners will find a lot of value in, man. And for everybody else, uh, enjoy this episode and we'll keep following what you're doing, man. Thanks for what you do. Man, appreciate you, George. Appreciate you, Jacqueline. Y'all are amazing. Anytime I can do this again, please let your boy know. I will happily uh, come do the show again. Absolutely, man. Well, you have a great one, man, and we'll we'll talk to you soon. All right, now. Appreciate y'all. All right, man. Peace. All right. Thank you for tuning in to an episode of The Uncensored Show. Take at least one thing you heard today and apply it to your life immediately so that you can become one step closer to living a more meaningful and fulfilling life and aligning your resources to what matters most to you. Remember, money is just a resource to fuel your journey. The question is, what's yours?